This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. It is January 2023, and we are all headed back into our classrooms, hopefully refreshed and fired up to rebuild our community and take off on learning in 2023. Classroom community building is one of those things that we hear a lot about this time of year. But I have to be honest with you. This is the honest math chat after all. The strategies that I see shared on social media and Pinterest and even among my colleagues, sometimes they don't feel deep. Do you know what I mean? Like I see teachers do those adorable crafts where students identify parts of themselves and they'll illustrate it or there's clip art and students like they use their feelings to create some sort of end product, we'll say. And then it's hung on a bulletin board and it's beautiful and it's community, right? Or the class constructs a class motto after reading a book. Love that book. But a class motto is created, and then the teacher creates a cute bulletin board with the motto and student signatures, done, community. But what actually happens is those things end up just being beautiful, year-long decorations. And there's nothing wrong with creating beautiful spaces, but they don't have much impact on the humans in the room. Students don't feel any more connected to one another or able to collaborate any more effectively because of those activities. Now, there are other teachers or maybe the same teachers that have students do collaborative team building activities like rescuing the gummy worm from the cup or building the tallest tower out of one sheet of paper. And there is nothing wrong with those activities. And often, though, they are not maximized to their fullest potential. Now, if the students just get together and work to rescue the gummy bear and fill out that accompanying worksheet, and then they might, you know, quickly share out what they did in a class discussion, then opportunities are lost. Opportunities to build classroom community. We have the opportunity in these activities to debrief the problem-solving and collaborative experiences, to build norms for partner work, to develop relationships among students strategically, and then to set goals through reflection on what went well and what could use improvement. Now, in the classrooms that have slowed down these experiences, 
and these games and these activities to truly build community, then, and here's the kicker, they kept it going past the first few weeks of school or past the first few weeks of January, they are more successful. Their students are more engaged and more motivated. Their students have a sense of pride over their classroom because they feel ownership. It's theirs because they help make it. Now, Today, I'm going to give you three ways that you can be that teacher, the teacher that develops a classroom community that integrates social-emotional learning throughout the year and helps students build a student-centered community, a student-centered community that lends itself to students feeling like not only a member, but a founder of the community. Okay, let's get to the tips on how you're going to build this student-centered community. Number one is value student voice. Turn in talks always. Hear me out. You probably have heard of a turn in talk and you probably do them in your classroom. But I want you to think about this practice as something that can transform your classroom community. Not just help students understand material better, but to build and transform your classroom community. No matter what question you ask, have your students turn and talk with everyone. And then always give them a chance to share what they talked about. This shows students that their voice is the most important voice in the classroom. When students' voice volume is more than the teacher's, then we are showing them that their voice is most important that we value what they have to say. I've said it and I'll keep saying it. Whoever is doing the talking is doing the learning. And if we don't give our students time to talk and discuss the content and reflect on what just happened and problem solve together, then they won't learn the skills they need to learn. They may learn how to mimic us. They may even mimic us well enough to do well on the test and teach themselves a bit along the way, but they will not learn to problem solve, to make connections, and to reason abstractly if we do not give them time to discuss what they think. All right, let me give you an example. You can do this with an activity. Um, My students are doing this when we come back in January because I'm going to make a bulletin board. Like I said, no shame in making beautiful spaces. However, we've got to take those activities and slow them down and draw out all the goodness. Okay, it's called What is a Mathematician? And before they start to draw their impression of what a mathematician is, I quickly have them turn to a partner and discuss what they will draw. So the idea of this activity is that students will draw on one half of the paper, what is a mathematician? And then on the other half of the paper, we'll do a big reveal and I'll give them a picture of themselves to put on the other side. And we'll talk all about what makes a mathematician. Okay, so after they've turned and talked about what they're going to draw as far as what a mathematician is, then they illustrate what they believe that mathematician is and they bring their drawings to the carpet and sit down in a circle. Students then turn to the person next to them and share what they drew and why. Once those discussions have enough time to kind of get, you know, all their ideas out, then they come back to the center of the circle and place their thumb on their knee if they want to share with the group. 
I call on someone to start and then they share that they drew, let's say, a scientist. Then a student's thumbs go back on their knees and a student calls on someone else. The conversation continues with students calling on one another. They might ask questions of one another. And when there's kind of like a lull in the conversation, I will redirect the conversation. Maybe asking a question like, do you notice any similarities in our drawings? We then will start to kind of create a list of things that students notice in the drawings. I ask things like, is this what makes a mathematician? Turn and talk. Or, and then students might buzz about that. Like, I don't know if it, you know, All mathematicians are scientists. They might be confused, but they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to answer that question together. And really, as I keep my stance neutral, I continue to prompt students to listen to each other. What I mean by that is I am not confirming or denying for them if they're right or wrong. I'm keeping my stance neutral and asking them to turn to their partner and discuss and decide. So this activity ends with me bringing them back and telling them, I have actual pictures of real life mathematicians. Okay, do you want to see them? And we get some hype going. And of course, they excitedly respond, yes. And I drop in the center of the circle pictures of the students. And I say really quick, like, turn and talk. What do you notice? And they giggle and they talk and they start drawing connections to the point of the exercise, right? So we come back together and I get their conclusions shared out. They get it. They're mentioning that they are the mathematicians and that they do all the things on the list and that they are in fact mathematicians. But the conversation doesn't stop there. This starts our year-long conversation about what makes a mathematician. Everything we do from now on is framed with what do mathematicians do? How do real mathematicians record their thinking? How do mathematicians collaborate? This is such an important distinction that we don't often do in math. We do this with our readers and our writers all the time, right? We are preparing our students to be lifelong readers. But are we preparing our students to see themselves as mathematicians? I suggest you use an activity like this to help them build that mindset. But now I'm getting off on a tangent. That first recommendation was to have your students talk more. So you notice how you can take one of these classroom community building activities and really pull so much out of it. My example here is just that you might pull out how to get them to talk more in addition to building their math mindset and their vision of themselves as a mathematician. In order to push our students and create that safe, welcoming community, we have to have these relationship building opportunities all year long. Oftentimes, when in my classroom, issues start popping up, problems on the playground, friend quarrels, he said, she said type stuff. When I really stop to reflect on that, I realize there hasn't been a lot of relationship building or attention given to the relationship building in the few weeks leading up to that. And that's why these things start to pop up. It becomes less of a focus, right? So when we nurture our relationships all year long, how can we do that? Use experiences where students have fun together and share with one another. Many of my favorite ways to do this are so 
simple. Morning meeting is number one. Every day we just circle up, greet one another, affirm one another's feelings, share a quick bit of news and play a game. Yeah, we play a game almost every day. It is the perfect amount of silly and fun and a shared experience to get us all uncomfortable, yet have fun and build trust among each other. The thing about morning meeting is they don't have to take a lot of time in class or to plan, but the payoff is great if you commit to making it a routine and doing it every day. Another time that we build relationships is in closing circle. We do this every day throughout the year. I build on this little pra- this practice little by little throughout the year. At the start of the year, we keep it super simple with just some relaxing breaths and considering what went well and releasing the things that were challenging. And then we end with kind of like shout outs and recognition. This really helps end our day on a positive and calm note while also giving the students a chance to recognize one another and further building those relationships. Okay, number three at how to build a classroom community, goal setting and reflection. Anytime, all the time. You've heard me say this John Dewey quote before, but I'll say it again. (laughs) John Dewey says, we don't learn from experiences. We learn from reflecting on those experiences. We have to give our students time to reflect on their learning, the activities, their behavior, the discussion, their participation in that discussion, and so on. Literally everything we do in class comes with some sort of mini reflection. But why? Because students have to learn what it feels like to learn. They have to practice a lot so that they can figure out what it feels like to learn and when they need to stop and try something different. Goal setting and reflection go hand in hand. You can't set a goal if you don't know where you're at. You can't reflect unless you know what the goal of the activity is or where you're trying to go. But how does this build community? Well, when you give students a chance to say how they are doing, a time to talk about their progress and reflect on their own learning, they become the driver. It's their voice that's heard. It's them saying what's working and what's not. They hold the power. And this is so powerful in the learning process. If you want to learn more about how to do goal setting and self-reflection and make sure students know the goal of the assignment, check out episodes 29, 30, and 31. I just did a whole series on goal setting and learning targets and criteria and self-assessment. So go listen to episodes 29, 30, and 31. All right. Now think about it like this with goal setting and reflecting. You're learning a new skill. Let's say you're learning to jump rope. And every time you drop the rope or trip over the rope, Someone standing near you yells out a random numerical rating from zero to 100. And you have no idea why they're giving you these ratings, where they're coming from, no idea. But every time you stop jumping, they give you a number. After a while, you're so annoyed because they won't stop yelling out numbers and you have no idea what the numbers mean. It's not helping you get better. It's just bothering you. So instead... 
consider this. If you're learning to jump rope and you have a friend or a person standing near you, maybe jumping, maybe they're doing something else, and every once in a while they ask, how's it going? Or how many jumps are you trying to get in a row? And those questions can help you reflect and set a goal. Then after a while, that friend might say, I notice you seem to break your gaze a few jumps before you trip. Have you noticed that? This quick feedback helps you reflect on something that might be tripping you up. All right, the difference here, I think it's obvious, right? Questions and opportunities to stop and think, to have a thought partner, a thought partner that genuinely cares about you and is that's just way more effective than someone who's just giving you random feedback that holds no meaning. So obviously our feedback has to be meaningful to our students. And I am not advocating for you to just not grade things or not give students feedback. But I'm asking that maybe you consider some simple ways to help your students reflect so that they can better goal set. Think about how you can incorporate hand signals, thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down, or sorting their papers when they turn them in into, I got it, I need help with this, or I'm completely lost. Or maybe they could circle a rating next to the learning target on a worksheet. Either way, start providing students with ways to reflect and goal set so that you can further build that supportive classroom community. And if you want more ideas on how to do that, go and listen to episode 29, 30, and 31. Now let's wrap this up. Building relationships, letting students' voice dominate the classroom, and harnessing their voice to reflect on learning are all ways that you can help build a deep classroom community. A community that's going to last all year long, and one that will form a safe and welcoming learning environment for all students to take risks, to push themselves beyond what they thought possible. Well, that was your dose of Honest Math Chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.